We are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus, I'm not sure this is a great idea. Order! Hello and welcome to The Debated Podcast. I'm your host, Will. And in the 30th episode of The Debated Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by the Labour Party's parliamentary candidate for Oxford West and Abingdon, Rosie Sauerbott. Welcome to the podcast, Rosie. Thank you, Will. Hello, everyone. Uh, So to begin with, uh, I'd like uh, to ask, because the seat has been held by both the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats and recently hasn't been held by the Labour Party, how confident are you of uh, taking the seat? I think we've got a good chance because we've had Lib Dems and Tories for nine years now. And I think people across this country and in Oxford West and Abingdon particularly are very fed up of austerity and of just the visible decline in people's quality of life that they've seen over those past nine years. We've had children's centres closing across the constituency. We've had food banks opening. People are waiting longer to see doctors. And we've got this real manifesto of hope that Labour has um, released just yesterday and when I was talking to people on the doorstep yesterday loads of people were really excited about the National Care Service, people are excited about investment in the NHS and I think at this election we've got a clear choice with the Labour Party who have the sort of hopeful manifesto that we need to sort of save the planet, invest in public services, build a more equal and fair society where people have more opportunities and then the Lib Dems and the Tories which are more of the same for Oxford West and Abingdon where they've yeah, been dominating in recent years years and for the rest of the country where they've let us down. Uh, How do you think the uh, reaction to uh, Labour's position uh, on Brexit and going uh, back to the European Union, renegotiating a deal and putting it to the people, has? um, how do you think that's come across to the people of Oxford West and Abingdon? Are they generally in favour of something like that? Yeah, so um, what I've found is a lot of people, um, either they voted Remain, but they're quite concerned about the quite sort of undemocratic and unrealistic way in which the Lib Dems are saying, you know, elect a Lib Dem majority government, not going to happen, and we'll just cancel Brexit and ignore the fact that, you know, a lot of people did vote for that. And there's clearly a kind of question there that needs to be answered. And the Tories who are like, we're going to pursue a really hard Brexit that's going to risk workers' rights, environmental protections, that's going to decrease quality of life for people in this country and make us sort of really dependent on a trade deal with the US that will potentially see our NHS sold off. So I think the sort of the kind of option that Labour is offering is we'll have it all sorted within six months and it will be done democratically. So there'll be the option to remain, which is what I'll campaign for. I campaigned to remain in 2016 because I thought it was really important for women's rights and workers' rights and the environment that we did that. And I spoke to older friends in the party who also talked about how important it is for peace in Europe, um, having the European Union. And then... um, We'll also have a um, sort of practical um, good leave option that will still protect workers' rights and ensure that um, we're not suffering and we don't have kind of the widespread destruction that will come about if Boris Johnson manages to get his um, Brexit deal through that will just work for the elite. Mm. Uh, Now, I'd just like to um, talk about some uh, particular constituency matters. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the Oxford to Cambridge Expressway? Yeah, I think the Oxford Cambridge Expressway is the wrong direction to be moving in because what we want to be doing is um, investing in better public transport 
support for people, electrification of um, rail, green um, options for people to transport around, and also improving air quality, not getting sort of more cars on the road and more um, congestion and stuff like that. So um, we're opposed to um, the Oxford-Cambridge Expressway in um, Oxford Labour. Um, how do you feel about the Oxfordshire growth deal? The Oxfordshire um, growth deal. Um, could you just um, clarify for me what you mean by that? Uh, I mean the uh, <clears throat> the. Uh, let me just get my nose. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> You've caught me out here. Uh, it's the. <laughs> Uh, the um, growth board uh, secured 250 million of uh, government investment uh, for new homes and infrastructure across Oxfordshire. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Is this something that's been, I think, has this been announced today? I've just seen. Um, I think it, so. It might have been. I've just seen in today's 22nd of the 11th budget. Um, so that is something I have not heard about yet. Okay. And I don't have a comment on it. Um, okay, that's fair enough. If there's new, I'm um, seeing it saying that new homes and infrastructure are going to be built, and that's great because we've got a massive like homelessness crisis in Oxford with mm. loads of people who can't afford um, housing. But it's important that um, if new homes are being built, they're genuinely affordable homes, um, mm-hmm. and that that in, um, includes like social and council housing, like um, like Labour's promised to do um, when we're elected. Okay. Um... Right. Uh, uh, what do you think the reaction uh, to the recent television debate has been? Do you think that there has been uh, a positive uh, reaction to Jeremy Corbyn's uh, performance on that? Yeah, well, um, I was really pleased to see that um, the majority of undecided voters who were watching the debate um, were impressed with um the um, Labour position that was put forward by Jeremy um, in the debate and I think yeah it did sort of really show the um, the contrast that we've got we've got Boris who's lied to people again and again and who's really just working for sort of the very top of society and then we've got um, Jeremy who is presenting a sort of genuine manifesto of hope. Um. How much do you think the, because uh, of course the Conservatives are suggesting that uh, Labour have not costed their manifesto and things like that, mm. how much do you think that this may have an effect on swing voters, this idea that Labour's plan may be uh, revolutionary, may be good, all these sorts of things, but it may cost too much? How, how, do, you, how do you think that will uh, mm. play? Yeah. I think it's important to note that we're actually the only party who will be releasing, well, who have now released a fully costed manifesto. And we were also the only party who did that in 2017. So the sort of Tories are like, oh, it's just, you know, reckless spending. And they say things like with the um, broadband policy, they're like, oh, it's too expensive. But when you look at it, it's actually going to cost about 20 billion, but bring in 59 billion. So that's... um, it's just a completely short-term way of looking at it, the way um, mm. the Tories look at spending. And they're also going into this election um, promising lots of spending. But the difference is that um, Labour spending plans are long-term investment that will create new infrastructure and new jobs and have a return and kind of lead to the... Um, to a better functioning economy that's working for the many whereas the Tories are just doing really short-term kind of cash injections so that's a kind of actually more reckless form of spending but I think because um, 
yeah, because the Tories sort of liked this attack line of like, you know, Labour spends too much or kind of um, the yes yeah, saying like that, yeah, essentially that you can't invest in public services. The only option is austerity, which we know from what economists have said and from the evidence of the last um, nine years just isn't true. That isn't good for the economy. Um, and so a lot of the media sort of let them get away with that. When in reality, Labour's going into the election with a stronger investment plan and a fully costed um, manifesto, which the Tories and the Lib Dems do not have. Uh, the Brexit Party have uh, today been announcing not quite a manifesto, but their mm. um, agenda. How do you think, if they are able to uh, gain any seats, how do you think that uh, the Brexit Party would change the dynamic of the House of Commons if any of them uh, were elected? Mm. I really hope that they won't gain any Mm. seats. Um, But if they do, I mean, the problem is that the Tories have in many ways become the Brexit Party. They've become more and more hard right over the last kind of couple of years. And um, sort of what Boris is saying and what Nigel Farage is saying is in many ways indistinguishable. And kind of both parties are using real dog whistle tactics to stir up division. I mean, Boris has said a lot of... um, yeah, very kind of racist things that are just stirring up, um, yeah, hatred towards like um, vulnerable groups in society in a really unacceptable way. And so, in a way, you know, Brexit MPs aren't that different from the sort of Tory MPs who haven't, um, yeah, haven't sort of already lost the whip for kind of, yeah, those who have gone along with the kind of lurch to the right of the party. I think it's two very similar parties now, and that quite scary and that's why it is really important that we get that Labour majority because we've got this choice between um, you know a Labour government for the next five years people will see a really radical improvement in their quality of life and in um, we'll kind of tackle the climate crisis now because we are running out of time to do that and then the Tories will just yeah ensure that most people are worse off have fewer rights and protections and yeah I just I really hope Labour win because I mm. think the Tories are becoming more and more like um, Brexit and UKIP. Um, and yeah, I don't want I don't want that um, politics of hatred to rule. Mm. Now, uh, you, you mentioned the environmental impact. And one of the things that is uh, mentioned in Labour's manifesto uh, rega- yeah. re- regarding uh, um, money uh, put into climate and environmental impacts mm. is mm. forecasting what the cost of not acting uh, would be, which would be factored into every uh, fiscal decision. How important do you think it is uh, to ensure that the cost of not acting is as as well known mm-hmm. and as uh, promoted as the cost of acting uh, would be? So important, yeah. And I think that kind of links to what I was saying earlier about this um, very sort of short-term thinking in um, the way the Tories are kind of looking at um, investment and spending money versus the way Labour's looking at it, which is, um, yeah, for like, what is the cost in the future if we don't act now? So kind of like with... Um, quite similarly to kind of investing in climate investing in tackling like um, child poverty and ensuring people um, like have enough to eat when they're young and they're going to school is really important for their future attainment and for social mobility and for their kind of future um, yeah potential and that's kind of another way that the Tories have that really short-term thinking that isn't um, taking into account the long-term human cost 
and also the kind of economic cost of people not achieving their full potential. And it's the same with the environment. You know, if we don't act now, we just get more um, flooding, more food shortages, more health problems from bad air quality. And it, yeah, it's so important that it's not just kind of the the kind of gross money figures, but also those um, slightly more complicated to calculate, but still calculable figures about um, yeah environmental costs that we're taking into account. I'm really glad to see um, that the Labour manifesto is doing that. Um, now you uh, mentioned um, the flooding, which has recently uh, hit Yorkshire uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, the Midlands. Um, now some people have criticised the Environment Agency for perhaps not acting as promptly as they should. How do you mm -hmm. think that um, a Labour government uh, would, would they be able to work better with the Environment Agency to ensure that uh, flood defences protect not just humans, but also um, local fauna and local wildlife and ensure mm -hmm. that um, uh, we don't see the same sort of uh, flooding that we have seen recently again? How, how do you think they would uh, tackle that? Yeah, I think it's really important um, that we do like work with the Environment Agency and with the sort of very best um, science that is available to, um, yeah, to um, yeah, ensure that we are protecting um, people's kind of homes and livelihoods and also protecting the natural environment and um, the ecosystem. And yeah, Labour's um, promised extra um, funding in order to improve um, the standard of flood defences. Um, which have been sort of neglected under the Conservatives um, for a number of years, particularly as you mentioned in um, Yorkshire and Northwest England and the East Midlands. Um, and I think, yeah, that's just yeah really important to um, both um, kind of people and um, the environment around them. Um, just going back to the manifesto, uh, mm -hmm. in, the man uh, in the manifesto, uh, Labour uh, promised that they will halve food bank usage within a year and remove the need for them all together in three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. how uh, how much of an impact do you think that would have on Oxford, West and Abingdon and how achievable do you think it is? It is, it's, so it would have a massive impact and it's so achievable and um, food poverty is one of the reasons why I decided to stand in this election because um, I'm just so um, angry about it. Like um, I, I used to live in Bath before I moved um, to Oxford and yeah, when the Tories came to government we had no food banks and then within a few years there were three because there was just that demand that had been created by um, universal credit um, and also by ben the benefit cap and just yeah the kind of complete lack of a social security net um, and yeah since I've moved to Oxford um, I've volunteered at the Oxford um, Community Emergency Food Bank and I've also done research um, at the social policy department looking at the um, association between universal credit and food poverty um, and it's just, it's absolutely unacceptable. You've got people waiting um, more than eight weeks in order to um, get any money. And that's just, most people don't have the kind of savings to tide them over for that time. And so you get people in really desperate situations. And yeah, when I've been volunteering in food banks, I've um, spoken to people who, um, who are like they've just lost their job or they they've become ill or their partners become ill or there's been a sort of family crisis and it's the sort of events that could happen to anyone um and and they're sort of suddenly plunged into a kind of quite desperate situation where um they feel really anxious um which and the kind of mental health problems that are created when people can't um 
serve their basic needs and those of their um, their family as well, it makes it much harder for them to then kind of um, break out of that situation. Um, so it's just it's not it's not um, yeah it's not acceptable. And yeah, I met hungry children in Oxford, mm. and there's a number of food banks now. Um, got them in Kidlington in Abingdon in um, Oxford West in Abingdon and it, there's just no need um, and yeah the Labour policy will um, basically just, yeah if it's been calculated that if you just reversed all the benefit changes that have been made um, under the Tories you would hardly bank use in a year and it's it's just morally unacceptable that they're continuing we had um we had um Patel um, in a food bank the other day saying you know you can't blame the government for poverty yeah. of course you can like yeah. you've, you've had nine years it's got so much worse in areas that have had universal credit rolled out it's increased by 52 percent the number of people using food banks um yeah so yeah i really hope we get a labor government because it will yeah it'll just only keep increasing and the work that food banks do is amazing and the people who volunteer in them are wonderful and the people who donate to them are as well they shouldn't be necessary and mm. people should be relying on charity for that basic need um it is very upsetting for people and yeah people should have the means to kind of choose their own food um and yeah be able to provide for themselves and have know that there's that safety net if um, they do fall into a crisis mm. uh, now you mentioned moving from uh, bath to oxford uh, yeah how much of an influence do you think that uh, because obviously uh, you're a student at the University of Oxford. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much do you think the, of an influence the university has on the way in which uh, constituencies in Oxford goes? Mm, mm. Yeah, so the university, it's kind of spread out throughout um, Oxford and there's um, some colleges in Oxford East and some colleges in Oxford West and Abingdon. And so on December 12th, um, most Oxford students, unless they're um, kind of staying to study or um, have, are helping with interviews, will um, have gone back mm. to their home constituencies. Um, they can still get postal votes to vote in Oxford if they want to. And most Oxford Brook students will um, still be around. So I think um, if lots of young people turn out to vote, it does have yeah, the real possibility to um, to um, yeah, increase the vote for Labour because um, yeah, young people are yeah much more likely to kind of yeah have that long-term thinking about the investment mm. we need for the planet and for our public services and yeah. Um, so I hope lots of young people will vote um, and yeah, we're sort of really driving people registering at the moment. Mm. Uh, now, of course, throughout this podcast, you've uh, said, as you would as the Labour Party candidate, that you want Labour to win. Uh, the general yeah. election. Um, now, mm -hmm. the polling is not quite in Labour's favour at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think we saw this um, to a certain extent in 2017 as well, kind of before the campaign started. And mm. um, we did massively increase um, the kind of um, the Labour standing in the polls as the campaign wore on. So I really hope that that will um, happen again. Um, and yeah, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't fully, um, I don't fully understand it because I think, yeah, we do have a sort of offer of, um, of what the country really needs, um, mm. as opposed to the kind of conservatives offer, which is, um, I mean, they're backed massively by billionaires. They have much, much more funding and much more, um, kind of media support than we do. So I guess that can in some ways explain how they're able to kind of push their um, agenda um, 
much more forcefully. Um, but yeah, I do hope those polls will shift. And in 2017, they did. So hopefully they can this time as well. Um, and I think now the manifesto's out as well. I think um, like when I was talking to voters yesterday about that, there were a lot of people who were um, really impressed with it. And so, yeah, I hope that um, as we talk to people more and more about those policies, they will sort of realise it is possible. And as we explained, no, this is fully costed. You don't need to like believe the Tories when they are sort of yeah lying about it in that way. Um, yeah, I hope will increase. Mm. Um, now, one of the uh, things that has perhaps not dominated, but has been part of the conversation, yeah. has um, been this sense that um, both leaders are perhaps not as favourable to the public, or that they're quite divisive figures. Mm -hmm. uh, how much do you think this plays into individual constituency battles, whether people dislike a particular leader or like a particular leader? How much influence do you think the leaders do have on a constituency to constituency basis? Mm. It's an um, it's an interesting question. I think, um, yeah, because people do often um, bring up the, the leaders on the doorstep. Um, and while it's kind of the names of the individual party candidates on the ballot, um, they are kind of hoping to form a government and have the party leader as um, prime minister. Mm. I think it's a mixture. Like, I think um, people are quite sort of aware of um, yeah, Boris Johnson's kind of track record of lying um, and the way he's behaved as prime minister so far. So I imagine that that will... Um, have an effect and also I mean I was at Hustings a couple of days ago and the Tory candidate um, for Oxford West and Abingdon um, started trying to defend um, the kind of Twitter name change um, mm. um, and sort of the kind of lies being perpetuated in that way by the Central Party and um, where they were trying to present themselves as this sort of independent fact-checking source and I think when local party candidates are put in a position where they're having to kind of defend the indefensible things that um the leader or the central party have done like that i sort of saw um yeah the reaction of the um the sick formers at the school we were at to that and they were just like really and so i think mm. when um when candidates are trying to defend that sort of um indefensible behavior from their party leader or the central party it does affect their credibility mm. uh, how much do you think there has been uh, a, a sense that perhaps the Liberal Democrats may, mm. may may pose as an attractive offer to uh, Labour voters who feel a bit disaffected with the party. Do you think that mm. there is much of a, a, a shift there or do you think that um, these voters who have perhaps flirted with the Liberal Democrats previously may be coming back to the Labour Party when mm. polling day comes round? Yeah, I think what we have to remember is that, you know, Jo Swinson served in the Tory Lib Dem coalition. She was very kind of faithful um, to the whip during that time. And her kind of voting record um, is as pro-austerity as that of Boris Johnson. So and, you know, the Lib Dems did go into coalition with them before um, when Ed Davey um was on um, TV, I think it was yesterday, he was suggesting they sort of work with the Tory minority government. Mm. So, um I think, yeah, the kind of the Lib Dems are 
I think, closer to the Tories than to Labour. Um, and they are, I think a lot of people are um, sort of drawn, um, a lot of people who want to support Remain are drawn mm. to that sort of stop Brexit um, policy. But it is misleading because they, well, they won't form a majority government. So they'd have to be working with either the Tories or um, Labour if that was kind of... Um, to achieve that essentially um so it's a kind of misleading promise and then even if they were to sort of form a majority um in that sort of scenario it would still be quite um undemocratic to just cancel brexit and not actually answer the question i think Mm. you know there continue to be people talking about brexit until we've sort of said well here's a leave deal that's workable and that um and here's the option to remain. What do you think now? And kind of had that definitive answer based on, you know, a known remain option and mm. a leave that people know all the facts about. I don't think the Brexit question will be um, settled. So I think that's with the Lib Dems. It's sort of they are essentially um, a party led by a pro austerity politician, a party who have sort of suggested that they would work with the Tories again and have done mm. so in the past. And um, their sort of central, um, I mean, all the kind of um, yeah, Lib Dem posters are sort of like, stop Brexit, vote Lib Dem. Their central promise is um, misleading and not mm. something that can be achieved in the way they're suggesting they would. Mm. Uh, do you think it was the right thing or the wrong thing uh, to mm. not include Joe Swinson in the most recent TV debate? I think it was the right thing to do because essentially it was a debate between the sort of two candidates to be the next prime minister, um, which are Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson. And, you know, if you'd included um, like Joe Swinson, um, there's also the question of um, whether to include the SNP. Mm. And um, there will be a debate with all of the sort of smaller parties as well. But I think it is really important that people have that option to see, you know, Boris Johnson with his kind of track record of lying and voting for um, just working for the interests of the elite versus um, Jeremy Corbyn with his kind of radical uh, manifesto for the many and to see that, you know, this person can be our prime minister or this person can be our prime minister. What is it that we want? Um, uh, but I think it is also good that there'll be the opportunity to have a debate with all the party leaders um, and, yeah, all the smaller parties too. Uh, well, we're coming up to the uh, end of the podcast. Thank you very much for being yeah. on, Rose. It's been a, a delight right. to have you on. It's been great uh, so to you as well. I, I'd like to just ask you one final question. Uh, we've got okay. Christmas coming up, and, of course, I imagine yeah, that, uh, yeah. you're looking forward to uh uh, possibility of Labour winning the general election yeah. but apart from that as a Christmas present what other Christmas present would you most like to receive yeah I mean a Labour government that's that I think that is <laughs> that will most improve my my quality of life um and yeah um that's that's all I really want for Christmas um I really want a dog I've really wanted a dog for um a number of years mm. um and that's kind of another thing linked to wanting a Labour government um because I mean there's there's a thousand and one incredibly incredibly important reasons why we need a Labour government mm. but also mean that tenants can have pets that's sort of <laughs> little small <laughs> policy and so um so yeah a dog would be my top thing for Christmas after a Labour government and if we get a Labour government, hopefully I can have a dog as well. Is there, <laughs> is there any particular type of dog that you'd like? Um, so I think um, 
for my first dog, I want like a cockapoo. Um, mm. And then once I'm kind of used to having a dog, my eventual um, kind of favourite breed is like the old English sheepdog because um, they're just massive and amazing. But I think I need to kind of get used to, to managing a slightly smaller dog first. Um, yeah. Well, I, th- I think that sounds like a, a, an excellent plan. How about and... you, Will? What do you want for Christmas? Oh, oh. Well, uh, <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, uh, like you said, I would like to see the election of a, a, a Labour government. But um, aside from that, uh, I genuinely don't know at the moment, to be honest. Um, I've not, I've not really thought about it. I've honestly mm. not thought about it too much. Uh, so uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Labour government, and then see what else you know yeah. can uh, come from that. <laughs> get a Labour government I'll be happy with just Fox. <laughs> well uh, thank you for being on the podcast Rosie it's been great to have you on uh, and uh, you're more than welcome to come on again any time you like. Oh, thank you very much.